and then suddenly you had you know living breathing workspaces where you you enter and then there's a lot of light and you really don't see partitions and barriers prefer very playful workspaces if we must you know i say that as much of as part of that workforce is i don't think we are looking at work life balance anymore i think people who are managing the space really need to keep engaging people hmm. to build that community and i think it has to be instagramable or looking pretty where you can yeah. just take a nap or meditate hmm. or pray or you know feed your child or you know have that you know 10 minutes of rest to unwind with music hello and welcome to voice of achievers with me yashika how do modern workplaces communicate the working professionals mindset we're speaking to prosenjit banerji who comes with 18 plus years of extensive experience having worked with brands including coworks we work and urban space consultants among others is passionate about designing and building out sensitive sustainable spaces that have the ability to make a difference in people's lives that's a hard one to crack and we're trying to figure out how he's cracking the code well he also plays the piano and enjoys reading welcome to the show thank you so much lovely to be here you know uh, prosenjit in the last couple of years particularly in the last 7 to 8 years the concept of co-working has seen a significant rise and um in your perspective what are the key factors that have been driving this shift and how do you see the future of co-working spaces uh thank you that's a great question and i think that's uh, behind that i think is a much more interesting story it's a great story uh i think the world started to change around the early 2000s uh and it started with the nature of work being questioned so you had a rise of the gig economy uh automation was really k- kicking in and you know technology became much more you know widespread and easily available I think it was the perfect storm. I think you start you you had the mega startups coming in around that time. You know, Uber came in two thousand nine. Um, the the markets crashed in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and I, I think it was this heady cocktail of uh, yeah, world forces, uh, geopolitical shifts that really, really, really needed uh, us to rethink the way we were working. And I think that was the the start of. everybody trying to look for you know a different solution so i think the traditional barriers of the way people worked broke down you know companies were no longer hierarchical you needed different thinking systems you needed uh, different ways people had to collaborate uh, and all of that led to i think all of us as designers for us it's been a continuum but it's interesting to look back and try and really pinpoint that place where things changed and and for me i think that's when uh, the the Uh, someone was really stirring the pot right and that's yeah. how things changed so i think that was the advent of the change in the way we looked at work and workplace design and if you remember older offices i think all of us have walked into different kinds of offices over the years they used to be very predictable you had you know maximum a cubicle or you had a cabin and a meeting room and these were all ratios set by hr which really never changed in 5 10 years 
and then suddenly you had you know living breathing workspaces where you you enter and and there's a lot of light and you really don't see partitions and barriers uh everybody's uh, you know chatting over a cup of coffee and there are some closed rooms and i think it it answered this need for everybody to be able to work differently during that time i think that was the advent of you know co-working or flexible uh at its heart it was just a bunch of guys really needing five seats because startups and companies then used to be like one person or five people right uh so at its heart it was just people looking for a place to start working without you know yeah. having to lease without having to look for internet without having to look for security so i think the product really answered those challenges in the beginning uh that you can just walk in with your computer with your notebook and start working right uh and it became a commune i i, I think inadvertently it also answered uh a rather existential uh, question of where do we belong how are we going do we uh, do we answer to something greater so i i i think those were the early years of co-working right uh and really thinking back over the last even 5 years i think the pandemic really tested the the product it really tested mm-hmm. it really tested whether this was a sustainable solution and ironically co-working or flex came out actually stronger than before because then we realized that it was actually solving another problem of being able to offer people the choice of either coming to office which was headquarters or either coming to a place which was close to where they were so the 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 ability for an employee or a person in the organization to choose to have that autonomy was was something very very special so i think in a nutshell that is those were the kind of uh, starting points of this product which we call co-working flex uh managed offices i mean you'll see a lot of these kind of terminologies being thrown around but at its heart i think it's it's a product which is uh collaborative in nature mm-hmm. it 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 kind of helps you navigate different modes of working for example different teams working uh together but not in the same manner every day and i think that's also changed with the way we do tasks they are not really it's not a fixed number of hours that you lock clock in and clock out it's it's more uh, results based it's more projects driven and uh, i think people are responding to the autonomy that's been given to them so in, in a nutshell i think that's what has kind of kicked off the need for this product and um, i think that's what will keep kind of pushing it uh, to the next level or to the next version so to speak uh yeah, i i like that uh, you mention how this uh, came out stronger uh, post the pandemic and i i agree with you because i mean, i think it sort of became like a win win uh, from both ends the employer uh, and the employee you didn't really have to have you know uh, 100 seats yeah. you could probably have 50 and uh, you know you could keep them coming in and out and clearly offering the flexibility to this generation we spoke about um, startups uh, and the startup culture uh, has seen a significant rise uh, just as much and uh, these are small teams very niche small little teams like you mentioned um modern generations and the so called gen z um, they kind of prefer very playful workspaces if we must you know um 
as opposed to the of course the traditional ones that you already touched upon it evolved into um, you know no cubicle structures but yet there was like um, you know a manager and the employees and you know team members uh, further to that there is this startup uh, rise and there is there are these playful workspaces offering like a an interesting mix of you know brewing your own coffee right out there as opposed to the traditional water cooler conversation so to say and you have your foosball and you know yeah. so on and so forth you have your games uh when you're uh, looking at designing modern workplaces what um what do you pick from the mindset of the upcoming generations or the ones who are going to be the traditional users of the product so to say and what are the elements that you put in from a design perspective to ensure it caters to their needs while also keeping the workplace uh, factor alive oh wow that's a that's a loaded question <laughs> uh, i i i think i i'm not sure if it's gen z or millennials uh, the the jury's out on the timeline shift of when that kind of merges with each other yeah. but i think what happened what has happened is i think we and then i say that as much of as part of that workforce is i don't think we are looking at work life balance anymore i think it's work life integration because honestly speaking i don't think there is this hard stop where you are able to shut off i don't know if that i mean and, and the, it's debatable whether that's healthy or not but i think the nature of work especially the work that we are kind of doing right now it's it's a matter of being able to integrate that with your lives uh and finding a balance in both right so it's not a question of it's a 9 to 5 i go to an office i shut down my system and then i come back home and my life there's a switch there's a beautiful series on apple tv called severance when uh people actually lose their memories the minute they walk out of office and and it's like mm. they never went there uh and that's a, that's obviously an extreme but i think the challenge as a designer to is to be able to offer this work life integration to the newer generations because i think offices are as much a part of their social life uh than home uh, and if you see the kind of amenities a lot of spaces provide it's almost like you really don't need to leave uh there's laundry right so you're able to kind of get your laundry from home there's pets are allowed right so a lot of singles a lot of young people can't really leave their pets at home they carry their pets uh with them at work uh, for us as children the same thing <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so there's healthcare uh, so there's daycare um uh, a lot of these spaces uh cater to young mothers right i mean in terms of yes. ensuring there are feeding rooms there are wellness rooms where they can kind of take a break so i think as a designer it's just important to be able to encapsulate all of that because all of those those are real needs and the challenge is to be able to ensure the seamless transition between work and life and uh, offer kind of a third place we keep hmm. we keep calling it uh, as as a third place right it's not home it's not work but it's somewhere where both can coexist and that's a very tough thing to do so it's all of the above right it's coffee it's food it's events right so obviously people who are managing the space really need to keep engaging people mm. to build that community and i think as a designer how do we physically give that stickiness is to try and design for all possible permutation combinations 
to give you an example that's a tough one to crack huh it's a very tough one to crack. <laughs> uh and i don't think anybody's got the mix right i think we're all trying uh, some work better than the others obviously uh but this is a this is a beautiful problem to see how it's evolved right so post covid a lot of for us a lot of metrics changed right how much how many how much seats do we provide fixed versus how many movable versus you know the meeting room ratios and densities all of that changed because uh, like you said nobody was really willing to invest in an office where 300 people come together at the same time it all kind of got distributed into smaller centers and people realized that look we really don't need to come to the same place every single day all together right i mean there are different ways of doing things but yes i think as designers it's it's important to understand those use cases uh, we are very passionate about ensuring that it's equitable so starting from ensuring that spaces also are uh, allowed diversity i mean that's not just a buzzword right for example they have to be disabled friendly they have to be able to be accessible by everybody they have to cater to different identities right uh, gender fluid washrooms for example these are really small touches that go a long way in encapsulating the aspirations of the newer generations because for them it's not even a pretty office space is it an instagramable office space right so we actually have to design artwork which allows you to kind of really carve a little bit of space for yourself because imagine there there's 150 200 300 employees with different cultural backgrounds different aspirations different uh preferences how does one space cater to everybody it can't right so we use these strategies to ensure that there's a bit of place making right somebody likes the coffee so they kind of gravitate towards it somebody likes the food so the kind of food and the place that you cater to uh, cater it at becomes incredibly important uh, someone really likes a niche or a phone booth as we call it where they can kind of shut it um, focus and you know shut out the world introverts uh, as we as we call it uh, i was just kind of you know uh, the it's interesting you mentioned the phone booth and uh, you know i'll kind of uh, dwell on this a little bit more because it's an interesting blend and i've seen certain workspaces where there's of course a boxed space and um, on the other spectrum there is a complete uh, you know open space yeah and then you know somewhere in the center there is also a blended space yeah yeah so there's yeah. a nice eclectic mix if one must of all the three kinds you know of keeping the out of the box ideas yeah to keeping the you know internal to keeping the external ones um and i also like how you mention um that it caters to different needs um inclusive workplaces yeah. if we must both geographically and uh, physically mm-hmm. i also would say psychologically and emotionally in that sense yeah um when you're looking at this and you're looking at this from an aesthetic point of view mm. because like you said uh, it has to be instagramable or looking pretty yeah so to say uh when you balance aesthetics with functionality hmm. um how do you strike that balance uh while you want to appeal to a larger or a wider audience uh, i i think uh, at its base aesthetics is a set of principles which you apply over and over and over again right i mean Uh, there are ordering principles in design in visual arts in any kind of 
uh, expression that you're doing. And I think as designers, we just try and figure out for that particular solution, what is the best way to kind of layer these on? For example, uh, very interesting, color has a really big impact on the way people work, right? So do you choose warmer colors where you know that there are a lot of people who are going to be there for meeting rooms, for example? Hmm. For a really small, close pace, if you have really dark, angry, can I use the word angry colors like reds and violets and purples, it's instinctively puts the mood to that kind of level. So what we try and do is in spaces where you know that there's going to be gathering, you try and kind of mellow it down to a place where it allows for different people to kind of come together at their pace and their time. Again, when you focus, it it has to be uh, toned down. But the places where you want people to be able to communicate to be able to chat over a cup of coffee are the bright ones where people will naturally gravitate to without really having to think about the task. Again, really small principles, but I think over time we've realized that, you know, there are certain things that really work well. Um, you really mark out spots on the kind of in, within the space where you know that people will naturally gravitate to, whether it's a beautiful view whether it's a place where, like you said, the coffee machine is there, where everybody comes and picks up a coffee. How do you make that more attractive? And where you really need people to focus, how do you help them kind of get into the zone, uh, visually kind of uh, isolated, physically isolated? So I think at an ordering principle, as designers, you use that. Um, a lot of multifunctional furniture, for example, and I think this is where technology and engineering has really, really, really come uh, on its off, uh, come out with so many solutions, right? I mean, uh, you have collapsible pods where, which, where you know, if all your meeting rooms are kind of uh, occupied, you can just set them up uh, in in an open space and have a focused meeting without noise kind of coming in, right? And then you can fold it and keep it somewhere else. Uh, desks, which kind of which are height adjustable, right? You want to stand and you know work. You want to sit and work. Uh, we've got cycle chairs as well. So where you, you can actually sit. And wow. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And you keep cycling. And, and I'm sure you would have seen a lot of movies and serials where, you know, people are walking on a treadmill. So they have treadmills in their offices as well. So I, th- I think it's a it's a mix of all of these kind of parts to try and see, you know, a solution which honestly will work for a large portion of people coming in, right? There's obviously you can't design for everybody. For everyone. Yeah. yeah. But you can design for the highest common denominator, which is what we're trying to do. And then give enough space for the people who really, really need to kind of blend into that that particular space. So I think at its outset, it's just juggling those parameters, right? Lighting is one. Uh, Biophilia is incredibly important. I think that that's something that uh, I'm super passionate about. Um, there's so much of research on, you know, the uh, ability of indoor plants to be able to really, really filter out a lot of toxins because anyways, we, we are breathing canned air uh, and no matter how wonderful the air conditioning is, something or the other will seep through. And this is just a, another beautiful natural layer of being able to kind of filter that out. Psychologically, biophilia is wonderful, right? We all know that, you know, it, it, the brain kind of functions very differently when looking at natural greens. So all of that comes into play. Um, focus spaces 
with white noise very interesting there there, there was there was a there was a study of neurodivergent people who you know with white noise and a focus space really helped uh, people with a lot of anxiety and a lot of disorder mood disorders to be able to kind of bunker down and work so just giving these kind of options or or having the ability to take these calls in these multifunctional spaces i think is at the heart of you know any kind of flexible design and like you said it's 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 a it's a tough thing to do and then some centers we get it right some designs we get it right some we learn and i think it's fascinating with the amount of variables that we deal with it's just you know so uh, I, and it's as fascinating to know um what kind of research might be going behind this i mean in terms of um turnaround time say you know you're uh, looking at designing a modern workspace and uh, you're looking at say a tier 1 maybe let's let's talk about a tier 2 city for example i'm sure that also yeah. uh, sort of you know brings in a different uh, dimension yeah absolutely so um what kind of research goes into you know putting this work together and then actually saying that yes this is what the design would look like that's that's a that's an opportunity i think i don't think that there is a lot of structured design into data from workplaces and i i think that that's a that's a fantastic opportunity for us as designers and engineers to be able to kind of build into the workplaces to gather insights i mean there are researches at a real estate level which talks about absorption percentages and you know the way people work uh, a lot of companies do this uh but honestly speaking i think the best sources of data are the workplaces themselves and i think with technology now there is an enormous opportunity to be able to gather real time data to see actually how people are using the space and I, and for me i think that's the dream to be able to understand that real time uh integrated into you know newer models and see how that changes uh but yes it's an opportunity i don't think we are using as much data as an industry as much data as we would want to uh that's something that there is a definite opportunity there let's let's put it this way you know have you walked into a space that was designed by you and your team and uh silently observed that this is working and maybe this is not yeah a lot of times <laughs> <laughs> a lot well, of then that's data yes qualitative uh, but that's data yes it's anecdotal uh, i think uh, data is also uh, uh, kind of relative relative to when and how and where you're observing it rather right. than you know there being a continuous stream from where you can draw kind of inferences but yes i think as as designers we always do that right i mean that's that's pretty much the only thing that the power to observe and see whether something is working or not and it, and it's behavioral at the end of the day hmm. um we used to design i'm just giving an anecdote we used to design seating around staircases and we realized that that's incredibly uncomfortable nobody uses seats right next to a staircase because anybody who's going up and down is able to kind of see and look at you know what that person is doing or you know eating or talk or speaking uh and we stopped doing that so i mean those kind of data are tru- crucial and critical uh but i think the finer data for example are the phone booths really in the right place are people mm. actually discovering it by accident or are they needing wayfinding to go ahead and tell them that this is where the phone booth is is there a clear line of sight yes as 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 a designer you would probably kind of be able to predict it 
but people behave differently right from what you predict so i think those will be really really interesting to see i know i mean there are a lot of companies that are doing that but i think uh, that is that is a big opportunity currently to be able to look at that and uh, mine it for insights uh, uh, that that's the dream yeah uh, and let's talk about the present let's talk about today and given your experience in the industry would you say that um, these are the two things that are um a modern workplaces needs fulfilled meaning uh you know i would definitely put these two elements in a modern workspace design oh that's a tough one there's so many uh i would say flexible models of seating uh mm-hmm. i think the ability to shift between being able to work in a cafeteria with people within your own desk where you know that it's your drawer and your kind of things on it to a phone booth to a meeting room right so the ability to kind of have flexible spaces truly uh is one and i think nowadays it's technology i think uh the ability to walk into a meeting room just with your device and connect on a video conference without having any kind of other paraphernalia i think is a given um the the amount of technology that we are using in our workplaces is i think exponentially kind of increasing and i think those are non negotiables so whether that's you know the latest firewalls or whether that's the best kind of uh, or the fastest wifi or the ability to kind of have your own ssid uh, so that aspect of technology in workplaces is non negotiable now i think uh, at a flex level um uh specially and also i think just the power of choice uh, if we are not able to kind of create these multiple work areas or multiple focus areas or multiple places where people can work differently uh, those are non negotiable in my opinion another non negotiable that we actually spoke about very briefly was you know you mentioned um the use of plants um and when we're talking about and i know that you're passionate about this as a uh, as someone so passionate about design and about sustainability how do you incorporate sustainability and wellness into your designs um and of course we are talking uh, about the generation that you know like we said that there there aren't any barriers as such between the work and life so to say so you know how do you make that a complete package with the added elements of sustainability and wellness i mean considering the amount of time people are spending in workplaces now i think that's exponentially increasing as years goes go by uh the biggest thing that uh, i try and look at or i think we as designers try and look at is is obviously the material and physical well-being right whether the right lighting level exists is it the right lighting temperature i mean there are a lot of times that we don't get the task light temperature correct um and by light temperature i mean the color is it really yellow is it white is it super white uh so those considerations are important because people will be spending well in excess of about an average of about 9 to 10 hours a day um so just getting the basics right air light uh having the right levels having the right amount of circulation having the right amount of air exchange uh, and basic sustainability principles 
natural light is an incredibly important aspect of the way we design or how we design so wonderful uh, yeah yeah i mean and i remember this was a beautiful lesson that we learned early where i don't know if you remember the offices or old offices where all the cabins would be near the glass because mm. the managers and the mds would be in the cabins and mm. the guys who would be spending the most amount of time would be in the center so almost like a prison with the cabins around and everybody looking at them working and it's so beautiful to see that change now it's almost inverted right where you have your close spaces on the inside and everybody being kind of pushed towards the edge to be able to ensure that there is enough light and views out um and i think those are important principles just to ensure that that is that kind of permeates as much as possible so natural light is super important biophilia we spoke about uh waste reduction is another important thing i think operationally to try and ensure that you know the the basics right we don't use plastic we recycle not only recycle we segregate at source a lot of offices don't do that right dry and wet waste wet waste is collected together so segregating at source is important um and you add that to the design element yeah absolutely I mean, so you have to provide spaces and you have to provide provisions for waste to be collected separately which is dry waste glass recyclable metals uh, and they get stored and then obviously taken out in the right manner at source rather than actually having to go through any other uh third party and i think just providing certain non negotiable spaces like wellness spaces right i mean i know there's always this pressure on real estate to be able to provide a room where you can just take a nap or meditate mm. or pray or you know feed your child or you know have that you know 10 minutes of rest to unwind with music uh but just to ensure that there is enough space and opportunity for people to do that within the workplace is again important put that in um and games and recreation like you said i i think those are really really incredibly important aspects of you know have making that third place so uh people are able to use these for as long as possible in the most sustainable manner as possible and basically yeah. design principles right i mean obviously using the right amount of recyclable materials i mean those are the easier fixes right i mean you use because those are in your control uh you use the right uh, kind of glues paints low vocs i mean you have we have this laundry list that we follow which ensures that the kind of space is uh, sustainable but again honestly i think flex or coworking is the most sustainable solution because you are already occupying a built structure you're not building fresh Uh, and in that way somebody said and i think that's a beautiful quote that the most sustainable building is the one already built right so it's not like you're you know going ahead and building and you know you know you're piling on more embodied carbon uh into you know the environment but it's just that you're reusing a lot of real estate infrastructure which would either be idle or which would be demolished and you know built afresh so i think all of this works well for the product and with the product uh and again i think with technology with the ability to kind of monitor with the ability to hopefully uh tech goes a long way in for us to be able to also physically change space without too much of breaking and uh discomfort to the end user i think that's the next step to be able to you know make it truly truly next level 
talking talking of next steps you know uh, when we're talking about the future of designing uh, workspaces what do you think are um, you know let's say just one thing that will be essential for modern workplace designers to keep in mind this is definitely a non negotiable i would say just hybrid models right now because of the way we are working right again uh, and maybe that's so much of a design thing but i see um, a massive opportunity in being able to leverage the so called virtual with the physical right now i i know that there's there's some way to go with you know the metaverse and with you know virtual reality but i think layering being able to layer that on to these flex spaces i don't know if it's going to be in terms of technology where meeting rooms are able to support you know you know a much larger uh, virtual kind of uh, meeting place or the whole space is you can kind of replicate that whole space virtually somewhere so you cut down the need for you know uh, the same replication of physical models but i think just at a larger theme technology is non negotiable i think that needs to kind of keep catching up to you know the physical space and i think that that the best of that blend is yet to come i mean there's so much of work happening with the metaverse with ai with you know quantum computing for example that kind of exponentially raises the way you are able to solution for a lot of products that need firepower um that's exciting for me i, I want to i want to really see how that kind of turns out and like i said i think spaces which are able to be reactive uh where you know with data flowing in we are able to make quick decisions on spaces that become more sustainable for example how do you expand and contract that space basis need uh which makes sense at a real estate level which makes sense at an operational level as well for example you don't need half the square footage you're occupying is there a way to sustainably kind of pull back get your partitions out quickly get people moved out quickly uh and release that space and vice versa if you really need to grow what is the way to be able to do that so i think that flexibility technology and just the focus on sustainability and well-being are non-negotiables they'll be they'll be the pillars of you know flex or co-working going forward and what does achievement mean to you wow <laughs> that's a tough <laughs> question i would love to quote my 9 year old who very simply said achievement is doing what you thought of in the manner that you had dreamt of uh, <laughs> and i don't how, and how befitting is that for you i mean i mean for the work that you do yeah i think uh, for me personally achievement is i i think i've been lucky to be at the right place at the right time uh, a lot of times in my life and i've had a lot of people believing in me uh when i didn't myself uh which is fantastic so i think that's an achievement to be able to pay back that belief in the work and in the things that i'm doing at a personal level i think it's just uh, just that being able to kind of constantly reach where i am wanting to uh in the manner that i want to in the manner that i need to do it i i don't know if that makes sense no but i, I, I of course it does and thank you for this wonderful um, conversation and giving us a um, a deep dive into what goes into the minds of the uh, modern workplace designer uh, thank you so much for chatting with us uh, can be can't be more thankful prasundeep thank you so much yashika pleasure pleasure my pleasure